Welcome to Luxury On Air, where we explore the trends, innovations, and personalities defining and redefining the luxury industry. Welcome to a new episode of Luxury On Air. My name is Karin Segedi, and I'm happy to welcome you to today's edition of our series of podcasts focusing on luxury trends in industry and academia. Today's Luxury on Air podcast will be focusing on sustainability and changing consumer behavior in the watch industry with our prestigious guest, George Kern, CEO of the Swiss watch brand Breitling since 2017. George has been in the watch industry for nearly 30 years, starting at Tag Heuer in 1992. Not only in 2002, George became the youngest CEO within Richemont at age of 36 when running IWC, but also is he a man of many passions, such as cycling, where he can manage a 200-kilometer ride on a short notice, or as well, and this is probably less known, film producing, where his dream of working in cinema became true via the production of the French comedy My Dog Stupid, with Yvon Attal and Charlotte Gainsbourg lately. George is personally active on social media, using his own wrist to display latest watch editions when traveling in Switzerland, and now again, the world. We are delighted to have you as our guest today, George. Welcome to Luxury on Air. Thank you very much, Karen. So, George, there's so many topics that we could be covering with you today, uh, thinking about the spectacular transformation of Breitling that you have been undertaking in the last four years. But let's focus more on the topics of uh, sustainability and the changing consumer environment in today's episode. So, Breitling has been embarking on its sustainability journey for a number of years already. What motivated you personally to take that step? Um, first of all, I'm a believer um, in this topic. I think it's urgent for humanity to, to move into that area. I've been involved in sustainability um, since many, many years. I was at the World Economic Forum, uh, YGL, Young Global Leader, um, where uh, we started many projects. And then in my previous life, with my previous um, brands I was dealing with, um, we started all these initiatives, great initiatives, many years back with David de Rothschild, for instance, uh, with his plastic project, fighting plastic uh, in the ocean. So it's a personal conviction on one side. And of course, uh, the need as a corporation to play um, a forefront role in terms of sustainability and ESG in, in, uh, in general. And why do you think uh, do we see this increased emphasis on sustainability in the watch industry? Because before, I mean, there has been a lot of speaking about sustainability, but now we see concrete actions such as, um, I mean, for example, recycling packaging material, new sustainable materials in the watch itself. Was it COVID that made us collectively more sensible to um, sustainability? Certainly, I think that COVID anyway is an accelerator for many things, for the digital transformation, for uh, a better behavior um, in terms of environment, for um, a better well-being, health, food, sports, supporting your immune system. But that trend started a couple of years ago. Uh, we in the luxury industry or at Brighton, we believe in uh, indeed uh, three values which are very important for us, which uh, is on one side sustainable, 
luxury on the other side, what we call inclusive luxury. So how easily we are approachable to the consumer and casual luxury. So these are the three fundamental trends we have uh, embarked in before COVID, but all these three phenomena have accelerated um, over the last years. Um, in the luxury industry, uh, the luxury industry has been changing a lot. Uh, all these debates on crocodile, on force, uh, have been going on since since quite a while. The materials we're using, the discussions on gold, on sourcing of diamonds, etc. But that's not a new debate, but for sure it has been accelerated. And do you want to may, maybe more, go more into the three um, topics that you mentioned, sustainability, inclusive luxury and casual luxury? What does that does represent for you? Well, first of all, uh, I think in particular after post-COVID, um, the, the, the excessive uh, luxury uh, will have, will have a, a tough time, you know, when uh, after you go through such a crisis with such traumas, uh, also economic consequences, uh, I think there are a couple of behaviors which will not be acceptable again by um, by the society. So what was cool in the past um, might not be cool as anymore uh, today. So I think there's an overall change in attitude uh, towards, I would say, luxury. And luxury will become more and more really about quality, um, about um, craftsmanship, um, about a dream owning something uh, which makes sense. So the, the, the meaning of luxury is also important. We talk about, as I said, these three issues, sustainability, because uh, even though we cannot change the world, every uh, individual or every corporation or every country has to do the maximum he or she can do in order to improve the state of the world. So we all have a responsibility uh, to do what we can do. And, um, and, and we at Brighting uh, do everything in our sphere of influence to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. In terms of inclusivity, it means that, um, for instance, to be very concrete, we're not in Formula One, we're not in golf, we're not in tennis, we're not in these classic, I would say, uh, luxury sponsorships. We choose to go into something more relaxed, cooler, like surfing, like triathlon, partnerships with Deus Ex Machina, which are lifestyle brands, um, because we believe that um, we, we shouldn't have a kind of a distance between us and the consumer. The consumer, or we must reach the consumer without barriers. We must be accessible uh, in the way we communicate also through social media, but also in the sports we choose. And the, the last element is casualization of uh, luxury or boutiques. You know, we have this industrial style. We, we, we have these, um, this loft style type of boutique, which is much more casual than what you have. It's classic conservative luxury industry. So we definitely want to be the relaxed and cool alternative to the more conservative and traditional watch brands which are out there. I think in, indeed there was a lot of change in trends and, and COVID, as you mentioned, the acceleration was, uh, was, was, was drastic. As, as well in the watch industry, which was more conservative, we have seen this uh, change in consumer behavior, uh, the way that they, they shopped and, and what are they shopping for. Um, so this, of course, is the move to digital, uh, which was adopted by the watch industry. Um, has this as well changed the way that you are selling and communicating with your consumers? So, um, so digital transformation indeed means the 360 on how we put the consumer 
in the center of our digital communication. So we talk about digital marketing, then we have the, the e-commerce, but people sometimes mix uh, or uh, believe that e-commerce means digital transformation, which is not the case. We are in the hard industry and it's slightly different than in the soft luxury industry like leather bags and stuff. So indeed, in the, in the, in the hard good industry, probably the sales during COVID online increased at least at Brighton from roughly six, seven percent to over 10 percent. We believe that um, in our industry, in our hard goods industry, um, the share in e-commerce will probably reach between 15 and 20 percent in the coming years, um, which, which is still a, a good performance. The point is, in, in our industry, consumers still want to touch the product, to try on the product on their wrist. Uh, boutiques uh, are still the place uh, for the experience, for the 360 um, brand experience. So that's one part of, of uh, the story. On the other side, we invest nearly 70% of all our marketing um, budget into digital um, communication uh, platforms. Why? Because the decision process is made online and not offline through, you know, newspapers, magazines, uh, etc. So even though consumers still want to be in a boutique, still want to have the physical connection to the store, to the brand, to the product, we communicate roughly 70% uh, through digital marketing. Absolutely. Um, that's what we've seen in our studies as well. And you're uh, so you're using social media to bring the, to them the product, but as well stories, no? And you have created the squads that you're working with. Um, are these squads helping you to create a more personal relationship and identification between the consumer and, and the brand? Absolutely. So first of all, what is important to consider is that today, you don't buy a watch to read time. This change of last 20 or 30 years when I started in the industry, um, the, the function uh, is less important, I would say, than uh, the, the, the lifestyle, uh, the identification with the brand, the values of a brand, the storytelling about the product, be it the technical aspects, um, or I would say the, the meaning of it. So we have many stories. We have three segments. We have air, land, sea. So we're involved in in aviation. We're involved um, in in uh, in many uh, sports on the sea, or uh, if you want, on the earth. And we've created uh, cool stories around that or partnerships. We just signed a contract, for instance, with Triumph uh, Motorbikes, and, and this fits our brand. So that's one part of it. So storytelling and brand image and brand building becomes uh, much more important than I would say the function of the watch, especially in the context of a digital age where you have, where you can read time basically everywhere. The second aspect indeed is when we created the squad campaign, First of all, we uh, distinguish ourselves um, graphically because we have a team of people doing advertising for us and not one individual. So graphically, uh, we are very different from all the other brands who are using only one uh, person, if you want. The second is you can tell a much wider story. For instance, in our pilot squad, we have an astronaut, we have a drone pilot, and we have a female fighter jet pilot. Um, if you would split this in three different identities, um, 
you would have the problem of being either an astronaut watch or a young kid drone watch or a, a fighter pilot watch. No, we want to be everything. And we have the same thing with our cinema squad. We have a, a fabulous um, spotlight squad, which is our female squad with different characters, with actors, with dancers. So the, the opportunity to tell a wider story, a 360 story, uh, is much more given with a team of people than with individuals. <laughs> Fully understand. And I think that the, the way that you chose um, the representatives as well, I mean, fits as well with the sustainability topic we discussed earlier. Um, and I think that the clean seas are very important to you with the, with the choice of, of Kelly Slater and uh, David Rothschild. This is, this is true. Um, as, as a company, sooner or later, you have to make a choice where you want to uh, commit yourself. And, and definitely uh, at Brighton is plastic. So we really fight plastic, uh, not only in our company, we want to become plastic-free uh, as a company, but as, a, as an involvement, um, indeed, through our squads, our surface squad, or um, our explorer squad with David Rothschild and Bertrand Picard and Inge Solheim, this is also something we, we concentrate on. We are also sponsor of Ocean Conservancy, Uh, you know that we just launched a new packaging, which is an upcycled uh, packaging made out of uh, PET bottles. Um, and, and this is our focus, our concentration. We've also launched Econeal straps, which are, if you want, uh, for the watch lovers of, of your listeners, these NATO straps made out of lost or ghost fishing nets, are 650,000 tons of uh, lost fishing nets in the oceans uh, per year. And, um, and this material called Econil has been uh, recycled and we have been launching these straps. The point is not that we're going to, again, save the oceans, but we have a very influential customer base. We, we sell roughly 180,000 watches a year to influential people, to people with a certain revenue, and they have the leverage also to contribute to change the world. So uh, we see ourselves as you know, uh, good citizens on one side, but also as an influential platform uh, to communicate and to inform on uh, these very important topics. And I think your, your, your packaging and uh, straps are not only coming from recycled material, but are recyclable themselves. Yeah. And I think what, what is interesting is that in the US, you launched a Breitling Select, um, which is a program for the listeners that allows you to enjoy three Breitling watches in rotation in a 12-month period um, with, a, with a, an abonnement, in fact. What has pushed you to launch such program in the US? And, and can you tell us how the community responded? Because I think this is a very interesting move uh, towards circular economy. So indeed, in terms of sustainability, if you have this circular industry, uh, the beauty is that you can recycle again that particular packaging or that particular um, you know, material, which is better than just using and producing from recycled products, but you cannot recycle it again. So this is what define circular uh, ecology and at the end of the day this is what humanity should uh, target is whatever we take out of our planet we uh, is being reused and not wasted so that's number one the project we have in the us is 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 more digital uh, project 
um, and is responding to the needs of the of the consumer. Uh, today, you have people who want to experience luxury. Um, you've seen Elon Musk. I mean, the guy is living in a in a twenty square meter house or something. He 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 stopped owning things. I think this is an extreme example. But you have many people uh, wanting to experience luxury, and you have people who have difficulties to make a choice. And it's not a question of money. It's just a question of taking a decision. And you have these kind of offers um, in many other industries. So choosing three products or testing uh, three products during your year um, is something you have uh, with Porsche. For instance, in the US, it's something you have with Ralph Lauren. Uh, and this gives, this is another service if you want, another digital service we give to the consumer in order, um, yeah, to allow him to make a sound choice. Because we have seen it already, I think, in handbags, where you can change your handbags and, and, and reuse. I mean, it's the pre-owned handbags. But interesting as well, we have been speaking on, on the Cyclone. You know, that's the recyclable on running shoe, which as well, you yeah. only, you always use one, you send it back, you get a new one. And, and this is like, this is recycled and it's not, it's not thrown away. I mean, um, obviously in hard luxury, you would not throw away a watch. You would give it to the next generation. But I think it's, a, it's an interesting behavior of not owning things anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you, you're right, we need to adapt uh, or every industry has to adapt uh, and, and find the right policy uh, considering their, their, their products. In our, in our situation, this Brightling Select uh, is, is a kind, as I said, a mixture of buying at the end of the day a pre-owned watch because you have a pool of watches which is available for the consumer and on the other side choosing and trying and testing a watch or three watches during a period of 12 months and um, and and as I said this is a new uh, an additional offering uh, in, in our digital um, setup if you want. And um, thinking again about uh, sustainability and uh, consumer behavior and consumer demand, I mean, we've seen in our uh, 2020 watch study that consumers would choose a watch that is ethical or sustainable more over any other watch. Um, it's still not very clear in the minds if it's the it's the ethical sourcing, if it's the ethical materials, if it's the ethical production of watches or, or the diamonds that are, or we speak now as well about pre-owned diamonds that would not have any child labor or any difficult labor involved. Um, you have put in place a, a tracking solution now, equipping your watches with a blockchain, allows of course to, un to understand who is the owner, to have the warranty um, more regularly um, announced. Is this as well a, a way to have uh, more ethical tracing and uh, resourcing? Absolutely. So the the beginning of the blockchain for us is definitely um, traceability and authenticity. So when you have a watch, you sell it, you can trace who owned it, who did the service, etc. And it's also a tool to, to make sure that it's not a copy. Uh, so it's about traceability and authenticity. But ultimately, the blockchain, and I think in any industry, this will happen in the next 10, 15 years, it's all about sourcing. So uh, the consumer wants to know where does this leather strap comes from? Where does this gold comes from? Where are these diamonds coming from? Which mines? How is it produced? Who are the producers? And more and more, uh, you will see in any industry, in many industries, in the food industry, you have seen this in, in, the, in the textile industry, 
you will uh, you will see a total transparency of the production process and the supply chain um, of of the the item you have purchased. And we are currently working with our biggest suppliers in in order to include them in the um, in the blockchain and in order to guarantee that transparency for the for the consumer. As I said, I think it will be a standard in in our lives uh, in the future because it's about everything. You want to know where your tomatoes are coming from, where your meat is coming from, where the fishes are coming from. Is that has at these been shipped uh, uh, by by plane with a strong CO two footprint, or does it come from your region? And can you consume products from your region? And I think that there's a huge um, uh, sensitivity of the consumers towards all these aspects. And the point is you can do well in doing good or you can do good in doing well. And uh, people who believe that uh, sustainability is expensive, is painful, etc., are wrong. It's actually a competitive advantage, but it will become also in future a condition sine qua non to, to, to work because young people, if you read reports on the millennials, Indeed, uh, they want to consume luxury, so luxury will always be there, but they want uh, to work and to identify with uh, responsible companies. Absolutely agree. I think that's uh, it cannot be clearer in the, in the studies that we are reading. Um, but you have been, I mean, one of the, the, the first uh, watch companies uh, equipping your new watches and now as well the older models with blockchain. Are the consumers ready and do they positively react to the this uh, blockchain feature on, on the Breitling watches? Absolutely. And, and, and we had huge requests, especially also on older watches and people asking to um, uh, to register if you want the older watches on, on the blockchain. And uh, the response also for Breitling Select has been positive. The point is, the interesting point is, if you look at it from a holistic point of view, Having blockchains, uh, using innovative, uh, I would say, uh, offerings for consumers on a digital way, uh, committing towards fighting plastics in the oceans or all in, in the in the community or being um, sustainable, sustainable, all these elements together makes you as a brand looks cool and young and successful. And the ones not having all these tools, not using and not communicating around and not engaging in these topics look old and dusty and passe. So yes, it is an effort. Yes, you have certainly some uh, uh, some pressure, but at the end of the day, it's uh, from business perspective, this I was mentioning doing good and doing well, is from the business perspective, something you have to do uh, because it makes you look cool and 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 uh, and uh, and young, and uh, responding to the needs of the consumer. So um, why not doing it? Cool and young. I like that. I like that statement, um, George. You have been speaking about the coalition. Um, so um, some brands, I mean, the watch industry is not well known as being the, the industry that is um, working a lot together and, and co very cohesive. Do you think in order to really become an, a sustainable industry, there would be, would be it would be needed to have more collaboration between the watch brands in that topic? 
Well, you have seen an announcement between LVMH and Richmond on the blockchain, uh, which I think was initiated by Cartier and, and Louis Vuitton. So you see some uh, collaboration here and there. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think the successful brands will lead the way, you know, will lead by example. And you have leading brands and you have followers, like always. And anyway, the brands um, uh, not following the leaders in that sense will disappear. And I think just a sense of survival will lead them to engage in these, these, uh, these aspects. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Maybe, George, um, I'd like to end on an aspirational note. Um, what do you personally think a sustainable future would look like? For me, it's a question of uh, attitude of um, humanity. And um, if people understand what is at stake, I think they will change behavior. I think we have a huge, huge, huge problem in communication around the world on sustainability uh, aspects. And, uh, and we see this also in politics with the green parties, etc., which first certainly addressing the, the right topic, but are, I would even say, totally incompetent in, in communication. Uh, you have to um, convince your the population um, by facts and by arguments and and not by law and as soon as you impose uh, things it's it's you, you have a natural reaction human reaction of uh, rejection and i think uh, the best thing to do and and i would like to quote here um jacques Rousseau, who was a very famous uh, scientist in France, uh, I lived in France and I saw all his movies when I was young, he was actually filming the underwater uh, world and he, he was filming the beautiful coral reefs, the beautiful uh, nature and, um, and, uh, and he was not panicking the world and he always said, uh, uh, we need to protect what is beautiful and, and showing positive things on uh, on what we can achieve in terms of protecting environment, uh, biodiversity, etc. I think that way of communicating is, is much more impactful than uh, through imposing uh, a way of life many people don't want to have. That makes fully sense and the nature is beautiful and we should protect it, you're so right. Many, many thanks uh, for being with us this morning, George and um, Thanks for the audience for listening to a new episode of Luxury On Air. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Luxury On Air with Corinne Segeti and Felicitas Morhart. This podcast is provided to you by Deloitte Switzerland and the Swiss Center for Luxury Research. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can leave us a five-star review. If you're keen to stay up to date on what's trending in the luxury industry, don't forget to subscribe. As always, you can find more information about the current episode in the show notes. We wish you all the best. Until next time.